if you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. Camille Wishaw is our guest today on Horse Chats, and I'd like to welcome her back. She's been on quite a few times before talking about a broad variety of subjects. Camilla herself is from Optum Equine, and she's a um, highly regarded, experienced horsewoman and naturopath. So we're going to talk to her a bit more today. But before we do that, I'd just like to remind you that horse welfare is of utmost importance when humans have any interaction with horses. And within the courses at International Horse College, you'll only see methods that promote safe and humane methods of interaction between horses and humans. So if horse welfare is important to you, go and have a look at the courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. All right, now, Camilla, today, how are you anyway? I'm very well, thanks, Glennis. How are you? Oh, wonderful. Wonderful. Great to talk to you again. Now, today we're going to be talking about some respiratory health. We've sort of talked about a wide variety of subjects, but in particular, equine asthma. Is that right? That's right, Glennis. Okay. Now, if someone's never heard of equine asthma before, can you just briefly explain what is equine asthma? Sure thing, Glennis. So, in recent years, there's been a lot of changing terminology in horse health conditions, and equine asthma is one of these areas where there has been changes in terminology. So... Equine asthma is actually an umbrella term, so it encompasses a couple of different things, namely mild equine asthma and severe equine asthma. And to take that a step further, mild equine asthma is what used to be known as inflammatory airway disease. So uh, those terms are largely interchangeable, but certainly current terminology were leaning towards mild equine asthma. And severe equine asthma encompasses uh, what we know or knew as recurrent airway obstruction, also known as heaves and chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. So there's a lot of names that get thrown about. Um, and the term equine asthma was brought about so we get a, a general broad understanding of what's sort of happening for our horses with their respiratory challenges. All right. Now, the type of horses, you know, I'm thinking about different types of horses, different breeds, different sexes, you know, heights, weights, everything else. Is there a particular type of horse or which horses does equine asthma affect more than others? So that's a great question again. And there's, it doesn't discriminate against breeds or age or weight or type. But having said that, we know that it largely affects those horses kept in stables and stalls. Um, there certainly are incidences of horses that are affected uh, who are at a pasture, who have pasture-associated equine asthma, but largely it's those horses kept in stables and stalls because of um, the air quality, as, as I'm sure we'll uh, discuss further today. Um, we know in terms of incidence, so severe equine asthma is the most common chronic respiratory disease in adult and senior horses. So we tend to think of horses seven years plus. Um, and studies out of the US uh, think that it affects about 14% of adult horses. Okay. Now, with mild equine asthma, um, again, the studies and statistics of studies are more from the Northern Hemisphere, but we think that 85 to 95% of 
uh, thoroughbreds and standard breds are affected by mild equine asthma. So that's a huge percentage of horses. It is. It is just... Wow. You know, it's always like you think that horses in a stable and they look nice and cosy and everything else, particularly in the cold weather or what raining. But what you're saying is horses that live out have got less likelihood of getting equine asthma. Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. Much more natural conditions. So if we think our horse has got, you know, some sort of problem, what sort of signs or symptoms would we look at with the equine asthma? So, again, if we think about breaking down equine asthma into mild and severe, although they're, they're both part of the same disease process, so they're both part of equine asthma, they generally present a little bit differently. So our horses with mild equine asthma are typically younger horses, um, typically those under seven years old. Now, they'll often show a decrease in performance, and this can be a bit of a, a vague sign or symptom in that many things can cause a horse to have a decreased performance but certainly equine asthma and mild equine asthma is definitely um, one of those things you need to consider so a horse that has reduced stamina or isn't just training so well or racing so well as it has previously um, and other signs and symptoms and other conditions have been ruled out then certainly equine asthma is a definite consideration now, horses with mild equine asthma will sometimes cough. So they won't always cough and they won't necessarily cough regularly, um, but they will sometimes have a cough. Now, contrastingly to horses with severe equine asthma, these are typically older horses, so typically seven years and above, and these horses will frequently cough. So unlike mild asthma, mild equine asthma, where they'll sometimes cough, horses with severe asthma will frequently cough. They'll have exercise intolerance, so the more you try and work them, the worse their symptoms are and they're just not able to perform. Um, they have difficulty breathing at rest, so with our mild equine asthma, they're generally fine breathing at rest, but horses with severe equine asthma will struggle to breathe at rest. And some horses who have had severe equine asthma for quite a period of time will develop what we call a heave line. Um, so that's muscles across the abdomen. They'll develop a line just from their struggle from coughing and breathing. Wow. So you've talked about signs and symptoms and, you know, thinking that the podcast Horse Chats is about education and education about horses. What's actually happening in the respiratory system of the horses if they've got equine asthma? You know, go a little bit deeper than that. Well, it's happening deep in the lungs. So what happens is the airway walls, uh, the, the, you know, the airways that encompass the bronchioles and the alveoli where gas exchange takes place, so where oxygen is taken in and carbon dioxide um, is popped over in the blood, the airway walls become inflamed and irritated. So what happens is when they become inflamed, it narrows the airway further, which means taking in oxygen and that gas exchange process um, is inhibited. The lower airways constrict as well, so they'll spasm which, again, makes getting uh, air in pretty difficult. Um, and there's a excess production of mucus and other normal secretions in the lungs. So the lungs, healthy lungs need a certain amount of mucus um, to keep them healthy and well. But when a horse has equine asthma, there's excessive mucus production, and that causes obstruction um, of the airways. Now, in a horse that has severe equine asthma, over time they have remodelling of the cells uh, lining the airway. So uh, the airways are what we call smooth muscles. 
and these grow excessively. The smooth muscle grows excessively in horses with severe equine asthma and they get fibrosis or scarring of these um, cells, which again impedes uh, oxygen exchange and delivery. So it makes breathing really quite hard. Mm-hmm. But what actually caused it? I mean, I know we talked earlier about, um, you know, horses that live in stables and stalls are more likely, and you talked about the high incidence of horses, thoroughbreds and standard breds, but the causes of asthma, maybe we can go back and stop the causes before we can, you know, do do anything. Causes, uh, Glenys, are a huge, huge, huge consideration in that we know equine asthma is largely what we call a man-made disease. Basically, the conditions we are putting horses in are what is causing um, the asthma. And in a nutshell, what is causing it is airway irritation, and this is largely dust and what we call inhaled particulate matter or aeroallergens, so things that horses breathe in in the environment um, that triggers off this irritation and uh, bronchospasm and excessive mucus production. And typically, those aeroallergens are mold spores or mites or pollens or endotoxins. We think with some horses, newer research is starting to uh, suggest that in some horses there may also be an allergic component. So we're looking at immune system dysfunction. Um, and in terms of mild equine asthma, there may be an infectious component uh, in some horses, so potentially bacterial or viral. Or viral. Um, but basically, in a nutshell, dust and inhaled uh, allergens or inhaled particulate matter drive inflammation, um, and that inflammation in the airways compromises a horse's ability to breathe and to perform. Okay. So if we've got a horse that's got equine asthma, is there something there that we can do to reduce him getting it so badly? There certainly is. And the great news with equine asthma is there is so much in our control and changes that we can implement to really, really help our horses um, to prevent equine asthma. And certainly in cases of mild equine asthma, to halt the disease process. So, you know, getting our horses back breathing healthily. And a lot of these uh, changes are so easy to implement and in our control. So basically we want to reduce their, our horses' exposure to dust and mould and environmental allergens. And I like to break this down into three areas uh, that we can tackle. So largely feeding and the way we feed, um, management, so that involves sort of exercise and the way we go about that, and also special considerations for the stable horse. Um, so in terms of feeding, we want to be dampening all our feed. So when feeds are dampened, uh, there's less inhaled particulate matter, which is really, really important. And when we're thinking about dampening feed, not only hard feed, but also hay. So in a horse that has equine asthma, we want to be soaking the hay or often preferentially steaming it, so using commercial steamers, um, which we know take significant uh, dust and spores out of the hay. So that's a really, really important one. We also want to be feeding our horses from ground level or at least below chest height. So when our horses put their heads down, they have a special mechanism in them called mucociliary clearance. And basically, it's their airways facilitate um, through mucus and cilia, so special hairs that line the airway. They, when their horse, our horses' heads are down, that promotes 
the excretion of inhaled particulate matter. So they've got an elevated mechanism which will help stop a whole heap of junk and gunk going into their airway. Now, when our horses are eating with their heads up high, um, above chest height and even higher, so particularly pulling hay out of uh, hay racks and hay nets, that mechanism isn't able to work properly. So feeding our horses from ground level or below chest height at least is really important. Um, Touching back onto hay, again, we know that horses that are fed from hay racks or hay nets, they stir up dust and particle matters because they get their muzzles really into the hay. Um, So definitely feeding our hay from the ground. And in some horses with severe equine asthma, we need to look at alternative um, fibre sources and forage sources. So for some of those horses, even soaked or steamed hay can still cause issues. And in those horses, um, we're looking at sometimes using things like hayage or alternative fibre sources just to make sure they get all the health benefits of the fibre. Um, but, you know, absolutely eliminating that inhale particular matter. Um in terms of uh, management practice, so we know, um, you know, it's quite fascinating and we've talked in previous podcasts extensively the role of gastrointestinal microflora. So we know that that also affects respiratory health and the respiratory system actually has its own microflora and we want to be promoting um, both really healthy gastrointestinal microflora and that in turn can influence respiratory tract microflora. So we want to be feeding fibre-rich diet, um, be really discriminant in medication use, which alters that microflora. So things like non-steroidal anti-inflammatories, antibiotics, um, our gastric ulcer medication. So again, we've, we've certainly covered that in depth on previous podcasts, but that's one aspect of management. Um, we want to be turning our horses out as much as possible where allowed. So some horses that are stable, there are certainly facilities to put them out in day yards or day paddocks. And if that's the case, we want to be taking advantage of that. Um, when we're grooming our horses, groom them outdoors. So again, when we're brushing our horses inside, that causes uh, dust and mites and hair debris. Uh, be circulating around in a closed environment and when we have a lot of horses in a stable environment, that's certainly a consideration. So grooming our horses outside. For horses where it's possible to manipulate the time of day that you ride them, um, certainly avoiding dry, cold air first thing in the morning, particularly in winter, as we know that that can contribute to bronchospasm um, and constriction of the airways and always warming up our horses really well prior to hard work. So there are a couple of the areas. And then the biggest, biggest, biggest area um, is focusing on what we can do in our horses that are living stables, so particularly our race horses and some of our performance horses. And we can make huge inroads here through some really basic things. So we know that the more uh, horses within a stable environment or a barn environment, um, it's associated with increased incidence of, you know, airway challenges and equine asthma. And that's likely because there's a lot of dust and particles and things in the airway. So if you're in a situation where you can have less number of horses in a stabled area or a barn area as opposed to more, that's certainly preferable. Now, bedding is a huge factor um, 
and I'm someone who grew up loving having their stabled horses on straw and always thought of, you know, good quality straw as being clean and cosy. But we know that even clean straw is really, really challenging to horse with uh, respiratory challenges. So the best thing to have horses, stabled horses on, uh, a clean shaving or even shredded newspaper and cardboard. Some areas in the world where I consult, some of my clients have their horses on shredded newspaper or shredded cardboard. And we definitely uh, want to be taking wide berths from sawdust um, and avoiding straw. So it's so important to remember, again, that a lot of these inhaled uh, particles, which irritate airways, and a lot of this dust isn't visible to our naked eye. So just because we can't see dust, doesn't mean uh, there's not things there that irritate our horse's airway. So if you've got a horse with equine asthma, you certainly don't want to be stabling them on straw. Um, dampening our bedding. So once we've laid the box down, um, give me a little spray with the hose. And certainly in drier climates uh, and during drier climates of the year, drier times of the year, you want to be really vigilant with this. So in many stables racing stables and things like that, it will be hosing stables down both morning and afternoon just to help any dust to settle. Again, in our stabled horses, we want to avoid the use of hay racks and nets. Again, knowing that when they pull hay from high above or put their muzzles right in, that causes them to inhale more dust and mould. We should only ever clean our stalls when our horses are out. So even when we're using good quality shaving, again, the less we stir bedding up when our horses are inside, um, the better it is for their airway health. So ideally, we muck our stalls out when our horses are out being worked or out on a horse walker or out in the day paddock and waiting at least an hour, if we possibly can, before bringing those horses back in. Definitely don't be sweeping or using a blower vac when horses are in a barn. So again... Although it makes the barn look nice and tidy or the stables look nice and tidy, it just throws a whole heap of particles into the air which irritate our horses' airways. So, again, doing those things when horses are out being worked or out in the paddock. Some of our older-style barns will have lofts above the stalls where hay and straw and things can be stalled. We don't want to be doing that. Um, we want to be storing our hay um, and things like that if possible well away from the stabled area in that, again, hay and straw and other things kept in the lofts above our horses results in much, much, much higher particle matter in the air. Ventilation is a huge one. So we want to be opening as many windows and doors in barns and stables as possible. And I think it's really important for us to remember that Horses tolerate cold temperatures and they're comfortable at temperatures much colder than what we are. So if we think a barn uh, is warm or cosy um, and if we think it's stuffy, then they're, you know, a very, very clear sign that the conditions in that barn aren't great for airway health. So open the windows, open the doors, allow for plenty of ventilation. Um, Avoid rolling oats and other grains in our barns. So, again, I know of um, stables and barn setups where there's a feed room right next to the stables and there's a grain crusher um, and they'll roll their oats and corn and other things like that. We certainly want to be avoiding doing that when our horses are in the barn because, again, that just results in a whole heap of dust and irritants going into the airway, into the 
hair, sorry. Um, avoid dust buildup and mould buildup of surfaces in barns and stables. So be really vigilant with keeping things clean. Because again, if there's dust on surfaces, um, that's dust and particle matter that horses breathe in. So being really good with our cleaning. Um, don't overfeed protein. So protein is an absolutely crucial nutrient in our horses' diets. And I think sometimes, uh, you know, we tend to worry about feeding protein and we shouldn't because it has an important role. But having said that, we don't want to feed excessively high levels of protein um, because this results in horses, um, their urine being quite high in ammonia uh, through the excretion of excess protein. And ammonia is very much an airway irritant. And probably the final point is some stables and some barns, uh, particularly during the summer, will use misting systems uh, in, for insect control. So they'll have pesticides and other chemicals in the misting systems to help keep flies and things at bay. Now, these can be really, really, really irritating um, to susceptible horses' airways. So if you've got a horse with equine asthma, you want to be thinking about all those factors. And even if you don't have a horse with equine asthma, if you've got a horse that's in a stable setting, you want to be taking those things into consideration because at the end of the day, we want our horses' airways to be as healthy as possible. Healthy airways um, allow our horses to perform really well. Stop. I need to interrupt this chat for a hot-off-the-press notification. That is, that the latest version of the book, 101 Careers in the Horse Industry, is now available, and the best news is that it's a free download. So if you work in the horse industry, if you have a plan to work in the horse industry and have a career in the horse industry, or if you know someone who plans to have a career in this fabulous industry, then this is an essential book for you to read now, and then keep as a reference as you progress through your career. With over 100 jobs to choose from, you'll probably find at least one that you'd happily do without being paid. So simply go to internationalhorsecollege.com, scroll down to the bottom of the page, and click on the 101 Careers in the Horse Industry button to receive your free career book. Imagine, maybe one day you could be a guest on Horse Chats. Camilla, I think that um, that last answer that you gave, you know, just to do with the prevention or reduction of severity of equine asthma. So many points, so many things that you just need to go back and uh, and re-listen. And I certainly will be going to re-listen. I often jot down a few points, you know, as I go through. I just lost myself in that. I just thought I can't follow you. You're just giving so many tips and so much information. So, um, yeah, if someone's listening to this and they've got a horse with equine asthma, go back and listen to all of that, you know, and some of them are a direct contradictory to what a lot of well-run stables are doing, but you make sense with what you're saying, yeah. Exactly, and I think the important thing with that, Glennis, is that Initially, some of those things might involve an expense to change around, but a lot of them are simple things, you know, like not sweeping when your horses are in or using blowback. Those things don't cost us anything. They don't require a prescription. They don't require massive changes. They're really actionable, doable little things, you know, that we can implement. So Definitely, definitely. Now, talking about prescriptions, what about, you know, medications and drugs can we use? But I also want to sort of have a B of that because you always talk about any medication and drugs. We always want to know about side effects, but 
You know, what do we need to be aware of, particularly as far as performance horses? You know, we don't want to go out and win an event and then get swabbed and find out that we've got a positive swab because we've treated our horse for equine asthma. Yep, so in terms of medication used in equine asthma, there's two two most common um, classes. So we've got our corticosteroids, and these can be inhaled, so they can be in the form of a puffer, or they can be given in an oral form, commonly things like pretigranules, or they can be injectable. Now, the reason corticosteroids are used are to help reduce the inflammation that's associated with equine asthma, so remembering that We've got inflammation of the airways as well as narrowing and spasming. Um, and to address the narrowing and spasming, spasming um, bronchodilators are used. And these belong to a class of drugs called beta-2 agonists. So our bronchodilators are typically in puffer form, but they can also come in an oral paste form. So if we look at our inhaled corticosteroids, we know, again, remembering that our horses' respiratory tracts have a microflora, so a healthy balance of bacteria, we know that inhaled corticosteroids can change uh, that bacteria around. And although, to my awareness, there's no direct uh, research as yet to link it, I think understanding the mechanism of our drugs and the immune system, this can potentially uh, set up an environment that's more susceptible to respiratory tract infections and they're certainly not desirable in our horses. Ironically, in some horses, uh, inhaled corticosteroids can, in some cases, actually provoke coughing. Um, So that's certainly a consideration. We also need to remember that even though the medications are inhaled, they are still absorbed somewhat into the bloodstream so they can still have systemic effects. Now, our injectable um, and our oral corticosteroids, so those added to feed, they deplete some really important nutrients in our horse's system. Um, And some of these nutrients, believe it or not, are really necessary for promoting really good uh, airway health and helping to reduce uh, bronchospasm. So things like magnesium and calcium and vitamin D and zinc and selenium can all be uh, depleted by corticosteroids. So we really need to keep that in mind. In terms of our bronchodilators, so typically uh, there's clenbuterol paste that's used and we also have albuterol, which is an inhaled bronchodilator. They're a drug that has a stimulant activity on the central nervous system. So if we've got a horse that's uneasy or edgy or irritable, these drugs can certainly uh, make that worse in that they have an excitatory effect on a horse's nervous system. Um, bronchodilators can deplete, uh, deplete important nutrients, again, such as magnesium. Um, they alter potassium levels in the blood, and through the changes in potassium levels and magnesium, um, they can certainly contribute to muscle cramps. Um, we know that they can have effect on heart function and cause tachycardia, so making our horses heart go really, really fast. So they're definitely things to be aware of in that, um, yes, these drugs can certainly help a horse with equine asthma, but they don't come without side effects. And when we use them, it's not remedying uh, the issues why equine asthma have occurred in the first place. And going back to our last point, there is so many things we can do to make 
their environment much better. Um, so, yeah, we, we need to think long and hard about the changes we're making in our environment. Are we doing them or are we just relying on medications which aren't without side effects? What about just any natural alternatives? What can we do there, you know, if a horse has got equine asthma, you know, leaving the medications aside, and you've given us heaps of information about the management of it to reduce that severity or prevent it. Any natural alternatives you can um, tell us about? Yeah, Glennis, there's a lot we can do in terms of nutraceuticals, so using particular nutrients um, in appropriate therapeutic dose amounts, so in amounts the exertion effect on a horse and also in forms that are highly bioavailable. So a lot of our nutrients come in many different forms and depending on what form they're in um, influences how well our horse can digest, absorb and utilise those nutrients. Now, there's been a good bit of research to show that omega-3 fatty acids, so a special type of fat and particularly those from marine sources, has a huge beneficial effect in um, helping prevent and reduce both the occurrence and severity of equine asthma. And our omega-3 fatty acids have so many health benefits beyond just helping airway health alone. In terms of when I'm consulting on a horse and depending on a horse's diet, a horse's health history, what else is happening for that horse, there are some other really useful nutrients um, Things I'll typically look at are things like magnesium, vitamin C, N-acetylcysteine. It's a great one for reducing mucus. There are a lot of herbal medicines, both in terms of reducing bronchospasm, um, in terms of reducing mucus production, in terms of reducing inflammation, and certainly, you know, thinking more and more about that healthy microflora balance, both in the gut and respiratory tract. So they're things that I'll address both through uh, herbal medicine where appropriate. It won't use it in all cases, but where it's appropriate, I will. But also particularly uh, our nutraceuticals. Um, and then again, like, you know, if someone's going down the medication route, if you're still going down the uh, natural uh, prescriptive route, you want to be addressing the dietary considerations and the management considerations. So there's, you know, there's a lot that, Natural supplements, both uh, herbs and nutrients, used appropriately. Again, um, if we use any natural supplement inappropriately, it can have, you know, not great consequences on our horse's health, but it can be a waste of time and money. And, yeah, you want to be looking at what exactly is happening for each horse in an individual context and identifying um, and addressing and then appropriately prescribing natural therapies, herbs and nutrients to help with that horse. Camilla, you've given us so much information and um, I don't have a horse, thank thank goodness, but with equine asthma. <laughs> I, should, I should say at the moment, you know, hopefully I don't get I one tomorrow. I thought you don't have a horse at all. <laughs> no, 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 no. But certainly if, if someone does have this, and, and I, you know, I did have a horse actually, I, I, you know, but that was sort of a few years ago, Um that I could have done a lot more for, you know, after listening to you. But if people would like to contact you, can we give them your details if they go to horsechats.com and just search for Camilla or search for Wish or it's W-H-I-S-H-A-W, they'll be able to find those details. But if they go to, is it optumequine.com to get your details, your contact details? 
That's right, and it's all one word, so O-P-T-I-M-E-Q-U-I-N-E.com. Yep. And Optima Equine's also on Facebook and Instagram. So I'll often do little informative posts there, which, um, yeah, can give tips and handy bits of information to A, get us thinking, and B, things that we can do for our horses to promote health in many different areas. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you so much. And um, we'll look forward to catching up with you again. And I think for some of us, anyone that'd like to know a little bit more about Camilla, go to, um, oh, I can't even remember which one it was now. You know, you've been on a few, but might have been 0439 was your first one, Camilla. But anyway, go there, have a look, or just do a search for Camilla Weeshaw and you'll find those details. Thanks, Camilla. Hopefully we'll catch up again soon. My pleasure, Glennis. Thanks very much. Bye. Bye. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government-accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below 